it sounded so abusive and oppressive. And it sounded like, that's when I really started being like, oh, I don't know if this is for me because I was like, you are conditioned to do the same thing eight days a week, like at 2.45 on a Sunday, you know exactly where your right hand is going to be, yep. right? And if it's not, you're going to get notes. Like yep. You're going to get notes. About it. So you, you can't decide which director you're going to have, you know, come in and out of your life and direct you in the role that you want. It, it doesn't, you don't have that precision. As an entrepreneur, you really do. You can decide, like, who do you want to enter your sphere? Like, who do you want to work with? Who do you want to help? Who do you want to play with? Who do you want to um, collaborate with, power partnering with? All these things. You have so much more control, which I think some people find lonely. Some people find exhilarating. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the ray of sunshine known as Ron Ben-Joseph. For close to two decades, Ron Ben-Joseph has used the principles of effective communication to successfully engage, educate, and inspire clients to discover and articulate their true greatness. As a presentation coach since 2000, he has worked with actors, musicians, teachers, doctors, salespeople, and professionals in many fields to present themselves honestly and confidently, both live and on camera. When not coaching or running around after his high-energy superhero daughter, Ron can be found performing his comedy show on stages around Denver and Chicago or directing theater productions ranging from opera to musicals to one-person shows. Ron has a BA in theater and psychology from National Lewis University, which is literally three blocks away from Columbia College, Chicago, where my musical theater degree is from. Plus, he also has an MA in communication, media, and theater from Northeastern University. Ron, I think we just had like an hour pre-chat about everything that we dislike about beloved musicals. And I'm grateful for that. But I didn't bring you here for that. That's just for me. I brought you here so you can tell our listeners what do small business owners need to focus on this week? Well, I'm glad you asked. I feel bad saying what they need to focus. Focus on whatever you feel is comfortable, right? Because like when like when I have a coach and they tell me like, oh, you need to focus on this this week. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, oh, but I need sales. Or, or I mean, I, my answer is sales. Like, honestly, like, focus on sales every every week. Fuck. Like, I'm not going to fight you on that. I teach sales. So, yes. Right, right. Focus on sales. Like, what activities? Okay, no, you know, I'm doubling down. I'm going to step into my power and say, focus on sales this week. Like, yes, what I teach and what I coach definitely helps with sales. But my first answer is focus on sales, right? And I think so many business people I've learned and successful ones too, like oftentimes will be like, they'll do everything to avoid getting on a call, getting, you know, like, like, oh, I have to fix this thing with the website. I have to spend 16 hours on my logo. I have to, instead of just like connecting with someone and being like, how can I help you? How can I serve you? How, how can we help you solve your problems right now? So. Sell this week, 
Yes, please ask and receive, y'all. And receive joyfully. Don't feel weird about it. If you sell ethically, you got to feel good about it. So many times I hear people be like, I got a sale and, and it felt really good. And now I, I don't know. I got to go get another one. And what if the client hates me? And I'm like, do not go down this road. Now is your time to shine, baby. I will say that like, so I had, I had my big financial goal last year in December and I was like, oh my God, I did it. I did it. Right. And, and, uh, I thought there'd be more plumes. <laughs> oh, and you, you don't like Pippin, right? Like, you okay. Like Pippin can jump into the sun, but we'll get there. No, but like, but we think that there will be more and it, we don't initiate it. And so we're like, Hey, where's my fanfare? Where's my parade? And that was my realization was so like, I hit the number. I was like, this is great. And then like January, like I had still like ripple effect of like some, you know, sales that came in in, in January of this year of 2022. And then like February, March, like I was like, oh my God, I have to do this again. <laughs> like I have to, I have to get back out and hustle. So I, I just want to, like, I get it. Like it's, yeah. it's exhausting when you have that big sale and you're like, I did it. But you got to keep that pipeline going. Keep, keep the momentum. My dad always told me he's like the most important thing. He was a, sales manager and then he became an entrepreneur and, and very successful at the time he was always like you know don't like don't take your foot foot off the pedal you know keep keep the pipeline keep make sure you're 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 booked out for weeks you know months ideally well and i think our mutual background in theater conditioned us well for that right because unless you're in a sit down show that you intend to be in for forever, you know that at the end of your run, you need to be auditioning again if you're not auditioning while you're still in runs, right? So you know that your meal ticket, your money is going to dry up at the end of that show. And if you don't have another show, then you're picking up more hours in your barista job to try to make the gap fill. Well, I remember having like so many friends, like I on Broadway tracks, you know, like in Broadway shows. Um, so you go like, they're finally, they're making a full-time living that, you know, like whatever the minimum was, right. They're finally making a living. New York, they didn't have to go to their barista jobs, but I remember they were auditioning all the time. Like yes, during the day they auditioned and they do their show at night. Yes. Because you got to get your pipeline filled. Like it's the exact same thing. And, and to be entirely transparent, I did not do this well this summer. I am normally a lot better about maintaining the flow of my pipeline. And for whatever reason, I mean, I'm sure it was myriad reasons, some of them mindset-based, some of them distraction-based, some of them based on the fact that I'm sick, whatever. I don't know. Excuses, excuses for days. But I'm normally better at stocking that pipeline. I'm I'm normally better at looking ahead and this summer, for whatever reason, I blinked and I went, okay, who's next? Oh, nobody. Empty house, right? So, like, I've been I've been promoting a show and forgetting to sell tickets. Why do we do this? It's such a great question. I was there, too. Th this summer was weird. I mean, like, I started noticing it in April, May of this year, um, where, and this is timely, as I don't know if people are, like, listening to this in 2025, but in 2022... <laughs> You know, my uh, my sister, who we were very worried about getting COVID because she's super immune compromised. She yeah. my daughter, she gave it to her in like a second, like in uh, in February. Ah, so, the gift of children. Yeah. The cesspools of goodness. <laughs> so my my sister got it and was just out for two weeks. And then after that two weeks, it was like 
come out, come out wherever you are. You know, it was like, <laughs> we can, we can, we can escape now. We all made it through, you know? And I, like, I didn't get it. My, my co-parent didn't get it. Like, so we're like, okay, like, I guess we're okay. Like, I mean, we could still get it, but like, we're, we're, we're we can make it through, you know? And yeah. so that also led to like this weird, like, wait, so what does life look like again? And, and I yeah. think summer, I had, I had a slower summer too. Like I had a lot of meetings and stuff, but it was not, it was like, um, it definitely wasn't as packed as earlier in the year. Yeah. And I think a big part of that was that there was this collective, like, can we, can we come out? Can we play? Can we let's, oh my God, we can go out on vacation again. We can travel. We can do all these things. I think like there was that too, which was this, this new thing of like, oh, I remember summer. Yeah. Summers are typically slower. Whereas <laughs> 2020, 2021, I was packed. Exactly. Because everyone was inside with nothing else to do other than hire me. Mm-hmm. And take a bunch mm-hmm. of sales trainings and listen to a bunch of podcasts, right? Because we were all stuck inside. And I think right. one thing that's happening this year, too, is also like, okay, COVID is still sort of a thing, but not really a thing. Or at least we know how to manage it now. And most of us are vaccinated and blah, 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 blah. But then also at the same point, they're like, oh, hi, by the way, would you like to go into a recession? Like, no, we just yeah. got sort of kind of out of a pandemic we have a new pandemic coming in and now everyone's like don't spend any money right okay fine fine i won't sit any money i'll just sit on a beach and 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 cry exist yeah i'll just exist which sounds really lovely but not particularly good for business and is also even easier when i'm in that phase of like squirrel away your money keep it kind of close in, live your life before we get shut down again, like all of these different things. It it does give me more context for why I was like, oh, leads will come. Y'all, leads will come if you get after them. Leads will come if you make yourself available to them and diligently nurture them. Leads are not just going to show up. And I know that, but I just didn't do it. Yeah, go ahead. Well, especially if you're in a service-based business, um, yeah. or I mean, really even, pro- I mean, like, it, it, especially if your product or service helps others in this time of need, right? Like I have a title, like we, we made a fancy title where it's like visibility conversion strategies, but I'm like a public speaking for sales coach. Like that's basically what it is. Like, you know, I work with female entrepreneurs uh, and executives to, that, that uh, female executives and entrepreneurs that have been told their whole lives they're too much or not enough. Uh, and now they want to get on bigger stages because they want to share their greatness and their talents and their abilities. And they're like feeling like their throat is, is closed completely. And they can't, you know, oh, too much, not enough. Like they, somewhere in that range, they're like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put myself out there. Right. So I help them create content and the, the performance skills to get out there. So public speaking, podcasting, videos, anything where they have to put their message out there. And so many of them, you know, like are in that industry of like helping others and wanting to like, share with the world and 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 solve problems and i think like they're still doing great like they're still making it they're still making money they're still selling because it's not it's like you said it's ethical it's not gross it's not like you should buy this from me because you know it's it's just a very good product like no like <laughs> these women are helping others grow and develop and and achieve their goals and reach their dreams and stuff so or achieve their dreams reach their goals either way it's a lot of helping so it's a lot of helping. If you're doing good things, like the money's there. I, I found. If you open yourself up to receiving and you ask, right? Because yeah. that's how I yeah. wound up teaching sales is that I felt like I was just giving and 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 over delivering was like natural to me. And 
I don't think it occurred to me until I had almost put myself out of business 157 billion times that the reason why my business was suffocating me, even though my clients adored me and I was so happy doing the work I was doing, the reason why it never grew and was literally wrecking my nervous system and immune system was because I was unwilling to ask. I figured if I just gave and gave and gave and gave and gave and gave and gave, and gave that they would show up and buy tickets. And like, you still got to sell the tickets. You still got to ask them to come. Your season subscribers need to be re-enrolled. I know I used to work subscriptions. You still got to call them. They're old. They have other things going on. Annie, do you know that? So I know I have to, I have to put this out there. This is like between you and me. But like I used to sell subscriptions at Northlight. What? I forgot to tell you. Aww. Yeah, I used to sell subscriptions. Yeah. Aww. I know. Well. More. See, but you agree with me then. I know you agree yeah. with me. Your yeah. subscribers yeah. who love you and sh like shell out top coin, they still need to be called. We call them multiple times in a year to see what they want, if they want to add things, if they need to change their dates, what if they know about next season, what they're excited about next season. We don't just go, oh, there are there are subscribers. We'll show back up. I've been an Art Institute of Chicago member for a bajillion years. They still send me 97 letters being like, time to renew, time to renew. But right. we don't inter we don't take that into service-based businesses because we don't want to be pushy. But it's such a great analogy. Yeah, because it, like I'm, I remember being at like uh, being a member of Steppenwolf and that wasn't top of mind for me. Like I, I was busy. I was in college. I was starting as a theater director. I was like, I had my, my theater company and everything. And they called me and helped me. They were doing me a favor by calling me. They weren't bugging me. They were like, oh, by the way, if you want to, you know, renew. It's really funny. I had a call this morning with a financial advisor who she's awesome. Like, she's super cool. And like, I, I was like, we, we got on, a, you know, just a network call, networking call to see who I could pair her up with. And I, I really liked her. I wasn't feeling necessarily like called to be like, oh, I, I have to work with you right now. Like selling her my service. But she... She, after speaking to me, she goes, you know what, actually, can we talk about your finances and like, and like what your money goals are and all this stuff? She's like, because I, like, I'm hearing you're in a trans, like she just nailed it. And mm -hmm. the way she said it, I was like, I'll totally have a conversation about money with you. Like I, I have four other financial advisors uh, that are clients that I would, that I, that as of this moment that my brain goes, I'd work with them if I was in that market. But you, like the way she asked was very much like, I'd love to talk to you about your goals, like what you want to do. That's very different than when you get on LinkedIn. I got, I get three of these or four of these like a day. We're like, hey, hey, Ron, I saw that you're a coach and we specialize in coaches just like you getting them more leads. And we looked at your website and like coaches like me, like you lost me right there. Like, like that is not flattering at all. Like if I, if I, if I was like, like I'm on the market now. So like if I was dating and I went to like a, a meetup or some like a singles event, I was like, oh, I date women like you. <laughs> Like that doesn't help. That doesn't explain anything, you know? So that, you know, like that's a different way of asking. That's, that's badgering. That's like, that's annoying. <laughs> now I just want to set you up like the worst dating profile ever based on how people market themselves. Like I date all women ages 17 through 65. I date all women. I date women like you. I date nice women. I date women with lungs i date like what what like what are you looking for all of it right what makes right. you a all great person 
everything. Like, <laughs> what are your flaws? Nothing. Like, okay. Nope, You'd be him. like, this guy is a serial killer. Run away. Right? But we do. We have that, like, people-pleasing mentality that follows us around and is worried about getting rejected by the people that might reject us so we don't offer ourselves to anyone, even including the people that have already paid us, right? Re-enrollment is the lowest hanging fruit there is. You know what's also really funny about what you just said, because I get those messages all the time, but you and I met because I sent you one of those messages. I mean, you sent me a video. It was so lovely and you're so charming. And I was like, oh my God, like, I, I remember thinking like, like she's so personal. She put the effort in, like, how dare you not respond to that? You know, like, <laughs> me. like I was like, how dare you? Like fucking respond. Like that is, that is effort. Like, and I was like, please sell me something like that. And you haven't like, except for like your awesomeness and your, and your, I'm like, I sold you on being my best friend. I I sold you on being on this show with me. And I was like, I'm all in. Like, I know I find you very healing. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. I am healing LinkedIn one DM at a time. It's my new cause. You're healing my spirit. I'm like a recovering theater person. Well, and I've been retired for longer than you, so... Is that true? Wait, like, I, I, I pieced out. I'm, oh, yeah, I dip in, though. I, like, I, I did a musical in 2019. And, yeah, and... therefore, I, I pieced out way before that, but... And you never look back? Like, you don't... Ah, no, it, I can't say I never look back. There are shows that I have yet to do that I would love to do. There are songs that I would love to sing again or for the first time. And there are also like, because I spent so much time by design in an ensemble or in a chorus, what I really miss, not to go all Phil Spector, but what I really miss is that wall of sound feeling when you're in a chorus and everyone is just belting their tits off and it's like, whoa, I miss that. I miss that a lot. And So I feel like theater to self-employment, theater to thought leadership, theater to finding other performative, communicative stuff to do. Speaking, and I know that's one of your main areas of focus. It's also a huge part of my background because of my mom, decorated motivational speaker, now also retired from speaking, not theater. But what I experience on stage by myself is very different from what I experience on stage with other people. And it's not so much if I'm playing a character or being me. I thought I would miss that more, but I'm kind of a character myself. Um, But I do kind of get on stage sometimes and get lonely, which I honestly believe is a huge part of why I have an interview podcast instead of a solo podcast. Like we are on episode 80-something, 90-something, of this show and I've yet to do a solo episode and I don't plan to because I'm a chorus girl. Doesn't mean I don't belong on stage, but I like to have buddies. It's so profound to me because I, I was in the chorus once or twice, like in high school. Like Yeah, it's because you're a straight man in musical theater. Thank you, but I was not talented. Like I was not a good singer <laughs> prior to, like I was a really bad actor in high school and- Honey, who wasn't a bad actor in high school? Unless sure, you're a like, fanning who wasn't bad actor at high school. Come on. But it wasn't until like I like in my early 20s, I, I had an amazing uh, acting coach, Ruthie Landis, who's in Chicago, Ruthie P. Landis. She and we had like a few sessions and I had a callback for something. And, and she just like we did this like gestalt exercise. It was amazing. 
and after that like the seas like parted and 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 i became like i got really good feedback as an actor and i got like lead roles and stuff and then uh in my late 20s i'm 42 now so like in my late 20s i learned to sing i, I told you by doing a neil diamond impression comedy act <sighs> there's a neil diamond musical now yes I would go to a comedy club and do this Neil Diamond thing where I'd, I'd do some jokes as a Neil Diamond character. And I love solo performing. So like for me, like that's, if I'm performing, it's just, it's, it's the only, it's, it, it, it's the only place I don't have anxiety. Like it, mm-hmm. I'm so calm because it's, everything's on that vibrational scale. So I was doing like clubs, like all over Chicago, um, comedy clubs and um, opening acts and like do, doing all these cool things. And I would do this thing where I'd come as a Neil Diamond impersonator and I'd sing like Neil Diamond and I got a song been on my mind. I'm so sad I was living here and never saw this because I fucking love Neil Diamond. But please continue. I love you, Andy. I love you too. So that taught me to sing. And then then I would sing, like I was invited to sing at clubs and bars and stuff as myself. And then I, I actually, I had a real, I was going through a really rough time. And I had like really bad anxiety and I, I'm not a medicine person, but they, they put me on medicine. They were like, you have to take this. So the first week that the medicine kicked in and I didn't have a panic attack, I auditioned for a community theater production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Today's pop culture topic. Boom. And, and got cast as Jesus, which was unheard of. And then after, like for me, I was like, oh. I was the guy, like all I wanted to do was sing and, and I couldn't. So I became a director and a teacher and all these other things. But all I want to do is sing. And here I am playing. This is my, like, this is my favorite. I mean, it's, it's, it's my favorite album, but it's like my favorite oh. show. This, I could, I would be the tree in that show. I mean, not that tree, not yes. like the tree that Judas hangs himself, but like, I would be a tree in that show. Like, I love that show so much. Yes. Um, and classic rock. And it, like, with my voice, like I sing in those high seas all day long. I'm in heaven. And then I, I was like, after that, I was like, cool, right? Like, so then I'm like, I did like, I did the last five years in a production, a small production in Colorado where I moved eventually and, and uh, I did disaster. So like, I, I don't spend that much time in musicals. I sing, I sing in my show now, in my comedy show, I, I feel like singing covers. But to me, like, I'm always so impressed by chorus people. Like, and I'm not saying that rudely. Like I just, no. I, they work 20 times harder than any, like when he, Jesus, like you're on stage for 20 minutes. Like it's not, yeah. it's. You go on, you sing your high notes, whereas like you're literally getting carried around in the choreography by members of the chorus who are actively singing. <laughs> right. And dancing and moving and moving set pieces and changing costumes. Yep. And I had one costume like. So I'm just like, I, but I remember like in I was in Sweet Charity in high school. I was I was I was Herman, but they cut my song. Oh, I know. I was very upset. They cut my song. I couldn't sing it. But at the time, but. That, but I remember being in the ensemble as well and being like, this all goes back to, I remember feeling lonely. Like, I remember being like, and just being like, like, I felt so lonely and weird. And so is that like, what is it like to be in the, like, I, it sounds so stupid to say this. But no, like, but I mean, that's the same thing. Is like, is it fulfilling? Like, it's fulfilling. I think this is so interesting because this really does have more to do with how I turned up than I thought because I love promoting other people. I love sharing space with other people. I love holding space for other people. I also know my lane and I stay in it. Um, And I think that's another gift from theater because uh, for folks who have never seen me, I am five feet tall. I, my face is all eyeballs. I am uh, chunky is I think the technical term, right? So Christine Daae and I are not going to 
be synonymous anytime soon, but I might be a Meg Jerry for the right production, right? And and so I think early on, I realized that having one or two lines, making people laugh and then getting out of there and going and standing in the back of the chorus um, is actually really kind of comfortable and more fun uh, because you get to play nicely with others. And like one of my main things was, and this is probably to the detriment of me now as an entrepreneur, one of the reasons I love being in the chorus so much is your relationship with validation is very different because Coreens don't get called out in Chicago Tribune reviews very often, right? Like you and I had a previous talk about Chris Jones, who's a big reviewer here in the Chicago area. Chris Jones is not going to be like, Annie Passanisi, fifth dancer from the left, was really killing it. Or Annie Passanisi, fifth dancer from the left, needs to go get a fucking day job. Like, it's, there's anonymity in that. But then it's kind of fun to sort of peek out and be like, hey, guys, I'm here. But now that I'm out here on my own, very fame-like, uh, now, God, the fucking musical reference is just abound. Now that I'm out here on my own, it is isolating sometimes lonely sometimes and all critiques and all validation are based solely on me. I'm a solopreneur. I'm the only one. If I get a five-star review or a one-star review, it's going to have my name in it and it's going to use my pronouns and be about me, even if it's about my work, even if it's about the podcast, even if it's about the academy, it is a critique of me positive or negative. And I don't feel like, you know, if I had been out playing Jesus in front of everybody in my one costume and my 20 minute high notes, which I can't hit those notes. So you could sing higher than me. Um, shocking. I, I think my relationship to all of that would have been different, but, but it is really incredible. And I'm grateful because I see what people can do together. And I can also see how, individual flavors can still shine within a casserole. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's a huge point you're bringing up because like for a lot of people too, a lot of my clients, they might've been in corporate where it is like an ensemble, right? Where we're like, they were, they were part of a team. They, they could, you know, if they needed a resource, they would call it or they would call, you know, a different department. And then within hours or days, like the resources there and, and supporting the team and everything. And uh, now all of a sudden they're solopreneurs, they're doing the marketing, you know, they're head of marketing department, they're head of sales, they're head of development, they're head of IT. They, like, they can't just call downstairs and get a new laptop. You know, it's, it doesn't work like that, right? So this notion, I love, I love the journey you described because it's so indicative of what we all go through as solopreneurs, where you go from a job with support, with, with a team to all of a sudden, on my own. <laughs> or oh my God, now we're lay missing. Well, we're lay missing, mashed up with fame. We're yeah. lay faming. <laughs> yeah. Mixing it le up. Fame. Le, le fame. fame. Le fame. But it is, it is a big transition. And that's why, and that's why, that being said, that's why people like, that's why people like you are so helpful, right? Because it's like, you go, let me, let me, let me make, uh, let me help you make sense of, of the isolation and how to connect more. And that's, that's the beauty about like sales, I think, ultimately, is like you're connecting more. So I, I'm part of a group, like you, like the, there's a poster behind you can say, but the Dames. Uh, and there's a Chicago chapter of the Dames, the Dames.co. Uh, you can look them up. But it's for high-achieving six- and seven-figure female entrepreneurs and executives. 
And in Denver, we do an event every other month. So we do uh, like an in-person extravaganza. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not officially a member because I'm a dude, but like it's all women. Um, but I'm, I, I help the owner and I work with a lot of the, of the members. And it's all about being seen. It's all like everything this, this organization is about is about not being isolated, not being siloed, but coming in and being like, you are part of a community. You are part of a team. You are part of, you know, and there's, and if you need anything, there's this leveraging, there's this leverage that can happen. Um, and, and, and that being said, it's like, it's like my clients, like we either were on calls just checking in or we're working together. And it's just like, you can create that ensemble as it were, you can create that community as an entrepreneur by selecting who you want in and out. Right. Part of when I went to um I went to acting school for five minutes, like I said, in New York. And like <laughs> I remember where I really I was 23 and and it was the sister school, the Juilliard. So we had a lot of the same teachers. And I remember one teacher being like the it was always the Juilliard kids, the Juilliard kids. Oh the Lord. Juilliard kids, when when we tell them jump, they say how high and all these things. And I was like, it sounded so abusive and oppressive. Yeah. And it sounded like that's when I really started being like, oh, I don't know if this is for me, because I was like, you are conditioned to do the same thing eight days a week, like at 2.45 on a Sunday, you know exactly where your right hand is going to be, yep. right? And if it's not, you're going to get notes. Right? Yep. You're going to get notes. But... So you you can't decide which director you're going to have, you know, come in and out of your life and direct you in the role that you want. It, it doesn't, you don't have that precision. As an entrepreneur, you really do. You can decide, like, who do you want to enter your sphere? Like, who do you want to work with? Who do you want to help? Who do you want to play with? Who do you want to, um, collaborate with, power partnering with, all these things, you have so much more control, which I think some people find lonely, some people find exhilarating, you know? So yeah. I'm, I'm, that, that was a big journey for me is like, it, like just being like, oh, I'm not alone. Like I'm not on my own out here. I'm, not. I'm like, oh, I, I, I have support and I can call. That was a big thing for me this year when in this transition of like this weird new year, I was like, but I can call friends or I can call clients and go, Hey, uh, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent this month flat out. Like, I'll be honest with you. Uh, do you need anything? Can I, you know, that video you wanted to do or, or that keynote? And they're like, you know what? Yes, actually, boom, keynote. And like within a day, they'd send me, you know, payment. Like, and, and then we start coaching. And it, it was like, I had that support, which I've never had before. Mm-hmm. And it is, it, again, it's like, you can have that. That's the beauty of building a, a community in, in the business world. And again, I work with women. So it's like, it's even more supportive, you know? Yeah. I miss having a director sometimes. <laughs> I need to be reined in sometimes. <laughs> well, Real I'll direct bad. your one-woman show anytime. Yay! Anytime okay, good. Show. Good. That's good. That that sounds really, really quite lovely. Because, you know, I got to tell you, like, I hear you about the ensemble thing, but I got to put this out there. Mm. I So I've been teaching public speaking since 2010. Prior to that, I was teaching acting, and I was like, oh, like, I went and got my master's, and I started teaching public speaking in colleges and into entrepreneurs and stuff. And it's literally the past year that I'm like falling in love with this art form for business, for creative expression. I think public speaking, I'm like, we should have public speaking shows, you know, like not stand up. Like, I mean, yeah, we, we should have stand up, but like right. I'm saying it's, it's different We're not than saying murder stand up. We're saying right. in addition to. Like I don't, I don't personally do public speaking. Like I, I, I go out and I do stand up. I mean, I do, I have a comedy show, so I, I do, I do comedy. But it's like, it's like I just love directing. I, to me, it's like give me the opportunity to direct Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay, for yeah. sure, I'm there. Give me yeah. the opportunity to direct anything else. Like I don't know. Like, like we'll, we'll talk about it. I'm not. I don't know that I want to do that. But 
like when, when I get a client that's like, oh, I want to get out there and tell women how they can make more money so that they can not be in oppressive relationships or, um, mm-hmm. or they, you know, they can change like the political landscape for whatever, in, in whatever direction. All right. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I mean, I support, if, if someone's heart centered, I support them. So if they're doing it for the right reasons, I'm all in. And like I, that to me, I'm like, my eyes jump out of my head. I'm like, yes, like that is the power entrepreneurs can have. I'm sorry about theater people if they're mad at me, but at $300 a ticket to have like, you know, a 22 year old Carnegie Mellon grad yell at me no day by today and tell me like, Lance, eh, you we're here to change revolution. Like you're not, like, I'm sorry, you're not revolutionizing in my opinion. Like it's like a $300 a ticket. Like I'm, I'm the only one seeing this thing, you know, like. I could have an entire conference of like a West Side Story Jets and Sharks fight between the people that love rent and the people that hate rent because everybody I know is either one or the other or has spent time as both. Like, at no gray area. You either love it or you hate it. I will say, like, I appreciate that. I like, I appreciate that we have room to diverge here. Like, I saw a documentary about a, the, like, on HBO Max about a production in Cuba, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. Like that, yeah. that, like, like that, that really like tugged them. That, like, from a human rights perspective, I was like, okay, yeah. cool. Like, they're 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 taking it to the people, you know. But like the Broadway production, where it's like, I had a bad experience because the first time I saw it, I saw that like the first national tour, which I guess like people were not fans of. I was not. I don't. I just remember walking away. I was like, this is this is what everybody's about. Like. And so I just felt like it was whiny and, and just yelling at me. They're yelling at me. And I'm like, I'm here. Like, you know, like, could you imagine in sales, like, like bringing in a group of people to your sales funnel and then yelling at them. You're not doing enough. You're, you're the problem. <laughs> That's what a lot of people do. That's what a lot of people do. They're like, hey, you are amazing, but also a giant sack of shit. And only I can show you the way, right? I mean, we're talking about JCS today. We're talking about guru culture, not calling Jesus a guru. Don't at me. But, you know, we're talking about that idea of hero worship or pedestaling people. And there is this bait and switch in a lot of the way that personal development is sold, where it's like, you are an incredible and amazing person, but you suck right now. And you can only reach your full amazingness through the path of me, because otherwise you're just going to be a sad sack of crap forever. And it's like, oh, yeah. Ew. Ew. I know. That's bro marketing, right? That's like the hard sell. Oh, my God. It is bro marketing. It totally freaking is in that way that it's like, let's tear other people down. And then with the promise of building them back up. Ew. And 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 that was what was so revelatory for me, like what, what doing Jesus Christ Superstar, like because like from, it's so funny. Like my um, I remember at the time, like we had a family friend. She's like and I'm, I'm i'm i was born israeli uh and then we moved around the world so i never got to really, like like really be israeli and i'm not really i don't I, I mean i identify on stage as jewish but like i'm not i'm pretty secular like i'm not religious and when i was in Jesus superstar one of my parents friends like the the daughter who's very like into judaism and has a master's in judaism and she's like why did you choose to do this this part and it, i felt like there was judgment in her eyes and i'm like choose to do this like 
who the fuck chooses to play like the greatest part in musical theater? Like, I mean, who's going to refuse the opportunity to sing Gethsemane, which is which is the Olympics of musical theater? Come on. Right. And it's I mean, it's like it's so funny. I mean, it is a really hard song, but like it's it's just pure great rock, you know. And so I remember like my mom, who's like super Israeli, like she never left technically like I mean, she technically did, but she's like lives an Israeli lifestyle wherever she's all over the world. I remember I, I auditioned. I wanted to, the, the, the going along with this point, I didn't think of it as a choice because I auditioned not thinking I was going to get anything. And, and at the time, I, I was going through a really rough time. I wasn't confident. Um, and I certainly wasn't. This was the beginning of me singing as myself. And, and at the time, I didn't even think I was a tenor because I had a voice teacher tell me for years, he's like, you're a baritone, you're a baritone. And it's, I mean, it's really, it's, like it's just not true that I'm. A, I'm not. I mean, Gethsemane baritones cannot sing Gethsemane. Like, right? it's not possible. Like it's just so. But I was like, okay, like some baritone, but I, but I can sing all these high notes. And in my show, I was singing meatloaf, meatloaf songs, like without any problem. Like I love oh. meatloaf. I love, so I was singing "Bad Out of Hell," and I would do anything. Like no problem, right? But I'm okay. So I'm. But I like. I agreed with him at the time, and I was like, okay, I don't care. I just want to sing. So I thought it was a baritone, and but I was like, regardless, like. I'm like, for some reason, I'm able to sing the, all the Judas parts. So I'll just audition for Judas. They're not going to cast me. And our friend Barry, our friend Bur- Barry Irv- Irving. Hi, Irvine? Barry. Irving? Barry Irving. I'm just mutilating his name. Barry Irving. Uh, he was at the audition. And I was like, oh, like, he's going to get Judas. So I can just yeah. go have fun. And they were like, I auditioned. And they're like, okay, do you want to, um, are you sure you don't? Because I wrote on the thing, I don't want to do any other part but Judas. Again, not thinking, not, not taking it seriously. And they were like, do you, you're sure about that? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, okay. Uh, all right, well, we'd love for, to have you come back for, you know, you can sing for Judas tomorrow. So I come back and I'm singing, you know, the thing. And again, I'm not thinking, I just love, I love the song so much, yeah. right? And I'm not thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to get it. Like, and then I hear Barry sing Heaven on Their Minds. I was like, okay, this is done. So then they have me, they're like, they hold me back. They're like, Ron, come here for a second. They're like, uh, you're sure, you're sure. And in my head, I'm like, fuck, we had this conversation. Like, yes, this is the only part I wanted. I'm not going well, to drive. Because you're also thinking they're going to have you be like pilot or something. Right. And then you'll have like one really fun song and that's it. Right. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to drive out. It was like 45 minutes away from where I live. I'm not going to drive out Mm-mm. pilot. Like that's Mm-mm. not, Mm-mm. you know, right. I was like, no. So they're like, what about Jesus? And I'm like, <gasps> I was like, I went into, I went into a runner's lunge. I kid you not. <laughs> I went into a runner's lunch and I go, I can't do that. I'm Jewish. <laughs> and they go, and they just nailed it. They go, so was he. That's true. I was like, fair. Okay. So I re- I sang for Jesus and they had me sing Gethsemane. And again, I never knew why this, my wildest dreams thought that this would happen. No. And I'm singing Gethsemane again. It's like, it, it's comfortable. Like, it's just not, like, it's just, I like, just figuring out like the, when it's like, my Lord. My Lord, like what, what, like you just said, just figuring it out. But I was like, this yeah. is remarkably comfortable. And I, I, I rock voice. So this is like not yeah. a pump. And they were like, okay. And so I, I like leave the audition. I call my mom, who, like I said, is super Israeli. Oh, no. And I'm like, I'm like, I think they're going to offer me Jesus. And she goes, oh my God, you have to do this. You have to do this. And as broken and as like in pain as I was as a person, and I was like, I mean, I really, the, the, a month before I was in a really bad place. And I was like, this is my win. I have to do this. I yeah. have to do this, you know? So then literally they call me like as I'm driving and I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And the ensemble hated me. Like the ensemble hated me for the whole rehearsal process pretty much until like the week before because I was so insecure and so shy. And I was like, 
I have to know, I have to know my, you know, I kept it in. And <laughs> they're like, sing one, it! They're like, sing it! Sing it! Once they give me a microphone, I was in heaven. But yeah. the point is that to, to that question of why did you choose to do it? I, cause to me, it was like, it was just music. Like I just love the music so much. I didn't, I didn't know, I was ignorant. I didn't know too much about the characters. I mean, and what I found was in research, this is like an hour long story, but in research <laughs> to your point, he did not like, he just wanted to be a teacher, right? Yeah. He wanted to teach the beauty of kindness and, and spirituality and faith and, and, and unity and all this, right? Like, so the, he was not, he didn't set out to be a guru and like, yeah, no. you have to do this. No. You know? Which is one of the things I love about JCS is that it shows how exhausting being the center of something is. Mm. And, and how quickly also, you get canceled. How quickly you get canceled. And also the main character of JCS is not Jesus, it's Judas. And what's awesome about that is it's basically an entire show from the standpoint of a disgruntled consumer. If you think about it, he was really, really sold into it. He was loving it. And it stopped working for him. And he started feeling kind of lost in it. Didn't know what his spot in the greater picture was. Maybe got jealous. Maybe got scared. Maybe got attracted. Who knows? We don't know. We weren't there. And 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 so instead is this idea of I'm going to be this detractor and and part like carve out my own path of things. And it doesn't go so well. So we have a reluctant guru who's like, I just want to take a nap. Don't touch me. Literally, he sings don't touch me like a hundred times. Right, and then, right. you know, like, don't touch me. Like, okay, we won't. Good job. Uh, and then we have <laughs> Judas who's like, everyone's going to be pissed at you, dude. Everyone's going to be pissed at you, dude. Everyone's going to be pissed at you, dude, without actually being like, excuse me, I'm pissed at you, dude. Right. Like nobody, nobody initiates. Like nobody says in the first act, like, we're going to be pissed at you. Like he's the one, right. Yes. Not taking accountability. But you're right. Totally. That's such a great perspective because he, um, you know, there's so many productions right now where uh, I saw American Idiot uh, mm -hmm. last weekend mm -hmm. and I'm in Colorado right now, right by where, like literally across the street, we had the fires at the end of last year. Like we yeah. had the, the, the Marshall fires over here and it was really terrifying and all this stuff. And we're still like every day we drive into school. My, my daughter's school is called Fireside and it's, it is, Appropriate it is like term. They, Jeez. Yeah. They need to change that name. So in this production of American Idiot, which American Idiot, which I love Green Day and I love the music mm -hmm. and I've auditioned for it before. And like, I, I just, like I didn't end up doing it or whatever, but like, this is my first time seeing it live. They did what I'm seeing in so many different productions, especially rock musicals, which is my favorite rock musical. Right? Like they did a whole video montage prior to the show starting where it shows, you know, they're like, it's, it starts with like, it's just another exciting New Year's Eve 2020. And then it's like, but then the pandemic and then all the shit happened and then everything went south and then politics and then everyone's mad at each other. And then the fires and then the shootings in Boulder and then all these things. And I was like, you guys are just shoehorning misery, you know, like, mm -hmm. do we really need that when and, and, I, and then I saw the, the 2014, I think, or 2013. There's a recording. There's like an arena DJ superstar with um, mm -hmm. Tim Minchin playing Judas. Mm -hmm. And he's awesome. And and Mel C from the Spice Girls, who I think is great. I have such a crush on her. Like she's gorgeous. Like she's brilliant. Well, also so underrated, so underappreciated. So and that she's voice. So good. Oh, oh yeah. Amazing. She's Mary Magnus. And so like they do the same thing. Video montage of like like post-apocalyptic, like, 
you know, the, preceding like all the political landscape that we have now and everything. And it's just like, it's misery, misery. I want to see a production of Jesus Christ Superstar with literally what you just said, because that blew my mind. You're so right. This idea of disgruntled consumer. This is not what I signed up for. Jesus! Yeah. This is yeah. not what I signed up. I'm not warmed up for this. This is not what I signed up for, you know, like, yeah. and then how I'm going to turn everyone against you yes. and, and like bring you down. And the, and, and the leader's like, I'm, I'm just saying, like, let's be nice to each other. <laughs> you know, like I'm tired. Like, well, Judas's main complaint against Jesus is that he bought into his own hype. And how many of us as solopreneurs are terrified that we will create our own Judases, mm. right? Like how many of us are terrified that we'll get too big for our britches, that we'll be out there and then someone will come for us because we're living as our authentic selves, right? You're starting to believe this talk of God is true. Like that's his, that is his main freaking gripe is that Jesus is bought into Jesus. This is such a huge, oh my God. Annie, like this is amazing. Like this is for entrepreneurs. What you're saying is so genius right now. You're buying into this talk of God is true, but it was the talk of God. Like, I don't know how else to shape. I don't know how to shape this buddy. Like, no, nope. it was, it was always talk of God. Mm-hmm. I always talked about God and yeah. at no point in Jesus Christ Superstar does he like, what does he say? That's like so bad. Nothing. Nothing. But Judas's whole thing is like, we're fucked and this isn't getting better. Right. Have you forgotten right. how put down we are? You promised this would get better. Yeah. Right. Right. And then Jesus in the middle of it is like, hi, I just wanted people to be nice to each other. I didn't start this stuff. But we did discover in the pre-chat that Jesus also invented sales shame. Jesus invented the stigma of selling, according to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Again, don't at me. We're talking about the character of Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstore. In the musical. Store. Jesus Christ Superstore. There we go. There's a mashup. In the musical. In the musical. In the musical. And it's our interpretation. Yeah, Jokingly, exactly. like we're, we're, we're laughing. I, I did a podcast a few weeks ago reviewing Elvis, the movie. Yeah. And I made a comment. And based on the movie, I'm like, based on the movie, the movie made me think this. Uh-huh. And someone wrote this like long diatribe of like, fucking just research man just look it up that is not true like i'm so sorry i i'm just saying the movie made elicited a response in my head oh you want to change your opinion of elvis everyone needs to read elvis and me written by priscilla presley i saw the movie oh anyway um (laughs) but you know like jesus goes into the temple and there's all these people just selling their wares and they're saying very and this is my favorite scene of the musical by the way and part of the reason why like i have not gotten to sing this in a chorus and i was talking about before like things i would come out of retirement to do i would come out of retirement to go on stage sing the temple song and leave it is amazing it is swirling the choreography is always terrifying i want in on that mosh pit real bad but the salespeople are saying well, before they're all turning into lepers, because that's the other thing, because Jesus invented sales avoidance. But they're coming in, they're like coming in for the best in town. Take your pick of the finest wine, right? They're just selling their freaking wares. They're fine. And then Jesus comes in and he's having a real bad day. He's got, you know, Judas up his butt. He's got all these people yelling at him, telling him what to do. And then he goes in there and he doesn't want to really want to be sold to. And then it's one pushy salesman. And what's he start doing? He starts flipping tables. 
screaming, literally scream belting. Breaking their stock, right? Breaking like their stuff. And then in the next verse, literally the next verse, all those salespeople are lepers and they all want something from him. Now, Jesus, before this, they were just salespeople. And now they're literally lepers trying to crawl his eye, like claw his eyes out. So what are we saying about sales here, Jesus? And to be fair, like, I, like as we're, we're going serious here, right? Again, we're, we're kind of kidding. But like, to be fair, just to justify this, that many salespeople, that many vendors, they couldn't have set up shop without permission from the temple, like the people, like, like mm-hmm. from the, the people running the temple, no. right? like whether it was the, the high priests or whatever. Like, it's not an underground night market. Right. And the, you see productions and it looks like an underground like rave with like heroin and all that. But like, like. In, in like more like conservative productions or like strict productions, mm-hmm. like you, like, I don't know what the right word is, like straight up. It's, yeah. it's like when we did it, it was like a more kind of down the middle. Like it was like a market, like it was like a yes. bazaar, like you would have now at yes. a JCC or a, or a synagogue. You have like these bazaars where local artists, like, a, like an art fair. Like a street festival. My table should be house of prayer. It is. Like, excuse me. Sales. These aren't thieves. You have made it a den of salespeople. Why they got to be thieves? Right. You have made it a den of thieves. Get out. He jumps all the way there. Right. Okay. So maybe he is showing up in sales avoidance. So we have a sales avoidant guru in the middle of all of these things and a pissed off re-enrollment VIP long-term client sales E who's really irritated. That Jesus keeps changing his value prop. No talk of gods then. We called you a man. Or, you know, or is he not delivering in Judas's eyes? He's not delivering on the the promise that he made. You know, like, like, he's like, this is a deliverable. We're going to work towards this in X amount of time, right? He like, he gave the project like a deadline, maybe on some level. He's like, look, within the next year, we're going to get these results. It's like one-on-one coaching. We're going to get these results if we work and hit these benchmarks, these KPIs. And you're just like, you know what? I paid you six months ago. I'm not seeing, or a year ago or whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm not seeing the results. Where's my ROI, Jesus? It's not here. Where's my ROI? Where is it? I don't see it. Everybody else is seeing it. I don't see it. Too much heaven on their minds. Like, come you on. You should have stayed a carpenter. You are not in your lane, Jesus. Nope. Jesus, you are not in your lane. You should have stayed a carpenter. You would have had a niche in the market. You would have had like, a, you're, you you, you would have been an artist. No, no, Jesus. I say that's what Judas is saying, but no. I'm yep. Not. But no, but I mean, also just, I think the whole, I think we've just realized that the entire three and a half hour onslaught of gorgeousness known as, G- as JCS uh, is all a whole big show about expectation management. Nice. Very true. Very true. Right? I mean, seriously, when do we ride to Jerusalem? When do we ride to Jerusalem? When do we ride to Jerusalem? And Jesus always, they're always repeating shit at him. And Jesus is always just like, why should you want to know? Calm down. They're all like, no, we don't want to calm down. We were promised these things. And they're not angry about the promises yet. They're eager for the promises. But whereas Judas, who's been your biggest fan for a long time, is really over your overpromising. Right. Really over it. And and Jesus wasn't even trying to overpromise. Jesus was just trying to market himself. Right. In a sales avoidant way. Oh my God. I know. This is we should do that production. Like we should do like that's what I'm saying. Instead of like video montage of like everything that's awful happening politically, I'm like, I want to do a video montage of how Jesus comes to power 
and how Judas feels <laughs> that he's not getting his ROI, but how quick cancel culture is to like how how quick they are to jump down his throat and be like, you're out. Yep. All right. I want to do another production. Okay. All right. I'm manifesting. All right. You're back as Jesus. We'll get our mutual friend Barry to be back as as Judas. I would never do it without him. Oh my God. He was so good. And I will be chorus girl number seven. Uh, the one who gets to see, see my legs. I'm a mass of blood. That's my favorite gross lyric in the show. So I want that one. All right. Dibs. You got it. I gotta say, there's a video of of Barry as Ju- uh, as Judas killing it um, on YouTube. If you go North Riverside, Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, we're putting it in the show notes for sure. He is so good. Well, yeah, we'll do a new one, and it'll all be about expectation management, hero worship, uh, re-enrollment, keeping the customers you have instead of just getting more customers. Because that's the other thing I say all the time: like you got to treat the customers you have like the family that they are while we're out focusing on new. It goes back to what we said at the very beginning. Re-enrollment is low-hanging fruit. Taking care of the people that you want. Maybe Jesus's only air quotes crime was trying to go out and get new followers instead of taking care of the 12 he already had. Great point. Yes. Correct. That that is what you that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like being oh sold God. into a intimate mastermind and then there's 150 people there. Not what I signed up for. That's yeah. He wanted more one-on-one time. This is supposed to be a dinner party of twelve people, and now somebody's dying. What? What the fuck? Not cool, guys. Yeah, and he got a better offer, and he took it. All right, I got two more questions for you. Or otherwise, we're gonna do this yes. all day, and I know you gotta go. All right. Well, we're gonna remount that production, and you're gonna be back as Jesus. We've already established that, but you are gonna make a rock musical about another guru type or a figure type, figurehead type, whose rock musical are we doing next? What rock musical are you writing around what guru? Oh, what a phenomenal question. What a phenomenal, you know what I would do? Hmm. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So my first thought was like Anthony Robbins, right? That's an obvious one, but that's like, that's like, you know, I, that's not fun. Oh God. I'm not a fan. So Tony, the musical. You know what I would do? Tony the musical. That's right. Get Tony Ward. I would do Maria Forleo the rock musical. <laughs> B school the musical. B school the musical. <laughs> okay, that is the most entrepreneurship sensitive answer I've ever heard in my entire life. Because anybody that doesn't normally listen to this would be like, "Who?" And everyone who does normally listen to this is going to be like, "Oh my god, is there going to be an entire segment where everyone sings the same email at you?" Yes. But it would be, it's honestly, it'd be the sequel to Jesus Christ Superstar because <laughs> it'd be like Love Never Dies or whatever, but it'd be like the sequel. Like, because like, I remember I had, a, I had heard so many things about her from clients that, that did her program, did B, did B school and, and it was very consistent what they were saying. And, you know, the, the same thing, like, it was like, they, she made a promise to build a car, but didn't give us the wheels and blah, blah, blah. And she, there's more people making money off of just selling the program than taking yep. it and whatever. And then I heard, um, I heard her on a podcast interview and I just like fell in love with her. I was like, wow, what a cool person. I was like, what a cool person. Like not what I expected her to be. I expected you her- reverse Judas. You started as late Judas and went to young Judas. You got converted. I got converted. A little. I mean, I still don't like follow her or anything, but like, 
but I, I just think she's, I think she's awesome. And so like, I, uh, yeah, it'd be cool to be like, to, to show the humanity amidst the brand, you know, like. I've been watching her for so freaking long. I could go old school back to like her videos on the stool with the brick wall. That's what I think about. Yes. Yeah. I just want the set to be a stool and a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Production yeah. value through the roof. Production cost minimal. All right. Totally. Marie Forleo, the musical. Marie, call us. Call yeah, us. We'll do it. I'll, I'll run that walk to do it. And I mean, if you don't want to play yourself, Marie... I, I know I'm so a girl with a musical theater degree and dark hair who would be glad, glad to sing some B-School riffs. Oh, my you God. You'd be so good. Oh, my God. You'd be such a good Maria Forleo. Thank you, darling. Uh, but enough about me. Let's talk about you. <laughs> Uh, if our fabulous listeners, including uh, women entrepreneurs who are out there trying to get on their platforms in a non-douchey way uh, and create something loving and whole around themselves and elevate people around them with their message, what is the best way for them to come into your world and start a conversation with you? Great, great question. So um, you can find me uh my website is artful speaking. So one L artful speaking.com. You can go there or Ron Ben Joseph, you know, on Facebook or Instagram and definitely, yeah, reach out. Like I'd love to talk or on LinkedIn. Certainly LinkedIn is like the best. So Ron Ben Joseph. So Ben hyphen Joseph is my last name, first name, Ron. Um, and I'm offering, I'm really pumped. I'm, I'm starting a course that's going to be launching pretty soon here as of this recording. Uh, on where it's it's creating a signature talk for sales. So signature talk for conversion. Uh, and it's it's an eight-week program. We meet once a week. It's going to be super exciting, super fun based on all the stuff I'm doing with like high-end coaches. We're adapting it for first and second year coaches. So Hell coaches, yes. strategists. So people that are like, they've, they've, they're in it for a year or two. They know what they're doing one-on-one, but they want to initiate and convert that into something that's super scalable where they can take that one-to-one and move that message into one to many and 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 engage and excite new clients as a result of their signature talk. So that's gonna be out there. So yeah, so Instagram, Rhonda Joseph, LinkedIn, Rhonda Joseph, or Artful Speaking. Oh, freaking magnificent. Well, thank you for bringing your Judas fire, your Jesus inspiration, and your soothing Mary Magdalene energy to TLTQ today. You know I just adore you, and I've had such a blast getting to share this mic with you today. We just hugged, y'all. You can't see it, but we hugged. I just adore you, Annie. Annie, you're wonderful. Thank you for doing this podcast and for the the opportunity. You're awesome. Y'all, I feel so good. I'm going to be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for the week. But in the meantime, for this one second, try not to get worried. Try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Oh, no, I'm not going to sing. Surely you're not saying. Wait, wait, wait. Woman, your fine ointment's brand new and expensive. Should have been saved for the poor. Right? Again, again. Why can't she use what she wants? Why have it been wasted? We could have made maybe 300 silver pieces is not that much, Judas. Calm down. That's a misogynistic controlling of women's money right there. But that's okay. That's a different conversation. (laughs) All right. Final thought coming at you in just a second. Well, hey there. What a romp through my past that was. Plus all the scream belting. Truly an episode for the ages. 
I hope I was clear enough that I was talking about the fictionalized leaping, singing, prancing character Jesus, and you know, not Jesus, Jesus, so that I don't get angry letters from offended listeners. But as we talked about in this episode, sometimes we piss people off or let people down, even when we don't mean to. Just another kind of sad, kind of lonely reality of solopreneurship, occupational hazard. And yet, there is something we can do. Other than the blatantly obvious, be a good and generous human, I don't think assholes could tolerate this podcast, therefore you are glorious and ethical by default. This week, your homework is to reach out to your oldest and most loyal customers, check on their needs and expectations, and express gratitude for their feedback and continued support. It's not just about re-enrollment, although if the praise is glowing, get that cash a-flowing. Are you both growing together, though, how you want and how they expect to be? Is there anything unspoken between you? Do they owe you money? Should you double down with them or maybe even encourage them to move on? If nothing else, and if all is well, what recent wins can you celebrate together? I've always said in order to buy, folks need to feel seen, safe, and supported by their service providers. Surely our long-term fans still have the same needs, maybe even stronger ones. Just don't let them get lost in the shuffle. All you have to do is ask. P.S. Speaking of occupational loneliness, if you are looking to get some FaceTime with me, meet some glorious people, or get a burning question in your business answered, don't forget to sign up for the next Non-Sleazy Sales Academy open house happening September 15th. All you have to do to register is go to StopHatingSales.com. That's StopHatingSales.com. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode kept you laughing and learning, I have two requests for you. First, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on your platform, so you never miss an episode. And also, more importantly, if you are looking for support, inspiration, networking, collaborations, or just a chance to hang out with me, Annie P. Ruggles, and our fantastic guests, make sure that you are a member of our LinkedIn community, The Legitimati. It is a weird and wonderful place. I can't even believe it's on LinkedIn, and we want you there. You'll find the link in the show notes. Big shout out, as always, to the fabulous dudes who helped me make this show. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My theme composer, Riley Horbacio. And my show art creator, Francois Vigno. See you next time. <laughs>